You are licking my knee. <laughs> Welcome back to the Performance Anxiety Podcast, where I'm Tabitha Tetro. I'm Lauren Learman. And we now have a third unofficial host that is a cat. I'm afraid uh, Lauren's firstborn has turned into a cat. Oh, yeah. Yep. Sarabi is uh, much quieter than my firstborn, but just as snuggly. Mm, and true. just as cute. Very true, but also much hairier. Much, much hairier. <laughs> it's very... The baby has no hair. The baby has no hair. <laughs> One year later, we're still waiting for the hair. <laughs> Speaking of people that we really like. Who don't have hair. (laughs) I love that you're wearing your sunglasses. It's very bright in here. I I can close the blinds. No, it's fine. (laughs) Our first guest, our first guest in a long time, is a very near and dear friend of me and Lauren. Uh, It is... Reed, how do you say your last name? Solberger. Solberger. Yes. I almost said Solenberger, but that's not no. correct. It's- I've heard a lot of variations over the years from a lot of pain substitute teachers who... <laughs> They're like, what? Yeah. So. But, yes, Reed is a playwright, an actor, a wonderful, wonderful man who we both love and mm-hmm. adore dearly, who is also on our board. Yes, he's on our board. I conned mm-hmm. him into living in my neighborhood. <laughs> Best decision he so ever made. Docs yes. Lauren, buy one, get one free. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to now provide free babysitting every once in a while. So, how about you give us a just to kind of like other people? Because I feel like I did a pretty good job, but I want to get more in depth on like who Reed is, like a brief introduction of yourself. Growing up, I was always a very introverted kid, uh, spent a lot of time by myself. Um, but there were a few times in school where we were doing shows and I thought, why not? And I ended up with, you know, pretty sizable parts every time I did it. Um, so that was fun. But then I got to college. Um, I, well, in high school, I mainly did band. So that's why I was never in, in many theater productions, but every once in a while. But then I got to college. I did a few theater productions my first semester, um, and then found working at the campus TV station, more to my liking. So I started doing that. But then I found forensics um, and really liked the competitive aspect of it. And I, that's something I still kind of grapple with, you know, realizing it's not a competition, it's casting. Um, but I really enjoyed performing, you know, even to just one person in, in the room. Uh, got out of college and had quite a few careers, including, um, let's see, tour guide. I was a weekend sports anchor for a while. I wrote uh, television ads for a large Midwestern home improvement retailer for a few years, um, but then spent a lot of time at home looking after my children. And it wasn't until they were a little bit older where I really wanted to get back into performing and convinced them all to try out for The Music Man with me, which you two were in Mm -hmm. and where I met both of you, um, was a very good experience and thought, you know, I should do this more. And so since then, I've been a part of quite a few other productions, um, but kept getting cast as the asshole in every show. (laughs) Pointed it out one time. (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Reed is the nicest. He's the opposite of typecasting. um, But then... I thought, you know what, if I, 
if I ever wanted to play like a romantic lead or, you know, a, a good person, maybe I should just go ahead and write something. So I wrote my first play called All My Tomorrows, which we did in 2019. Um, I didn't get to play the part that I wanted to, but I still got to play a very, the other, you know, good person in it. Uh, I mean, there was only five people in it anyway. Uh, and two then, of them sucked. Yeah, <laughs> me. Two of them. I was one of Tabby them. Tabby sucked. <laughs> and it wasn't that long after performing All My Tomorrows that I started really laying the groundwork for My Lady Tongue, which is the second one that I've written that we are now getting set to perform. And yeah, it's obviously everything took a turn with COVID. And so I could take my time um, in, in writing that one. But yes, it, it turned out pretty good, I think. And, and now we're getting ready to perform it. Heck yeah. So um, I guess what would be, considering that you've just now gotten back into theater, comparing that to forensics and everything, what would you say would be the most anxious you've ever been on stage thus far mm-hmm. of performing, like either in forensics or on stage? Yeah. What? Um, there were two instances. Number one was the first forensics tournament I went to was, was the tournament at UW Stout. Um, to, I was in introduction to forensics, which was like one credit and you had to perform you had to prepare two events and then go to one tournament. And me being me waited until the very last tournament of the semester to head on out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I needed help like learning how to sign into a round. I was that green. I had no idea what was going on, but uh, found out that the prose I had prepared was like next out, you know, so essentially was seventh place and the top six go to the finals. And oh, so that kind of yeah. lit the fire under me. I was like, oh, maybe I can do this. Heck yeah. But then the, the last time was when I had to sing in front of people, which is not my forte. I, I kind of prefer doing plays and, and speaking, but I had one line to sing in Music Man and just belted it out. You know, it was in, it was in uh, Wells Fargo Wagon. Oh, and so that... I just had one, I had one line in that. What was your line? I don't remember. This well, because you also... <laughs> trying to think which one it was. You started the show because you played the, and Charlie Cowell. Yeah, Charlie Cowell. antagonist, because you were on the train with I was, Carol, yes. And you had to do the speaking train part, too. Yes. Um, although Charlie Cowell, he, he was in that, but there were other people that had more lines than him. And really, that was almost like more rapping. In fast mm-hmm. speaking and rhythm as opposed to singing. But then when we did um, How to Succeed in Business, which I had wanted to do as a challenge to myself as a performer, uh, I was J.B. Bigley, who has several songs that he has to sing. And I was your mistress. Yes. It was a lovely you time. You both were amazing. <laughs> Thank you. But... Like the fact that I had to sing more than you was oh, yeah. like I felt sorry for the people coming. <laughs> I was like, this is you just did wrong. Great. But then, oh, but then the the songs that Bigley had to sing, you know, in particular our duet, I had never harmonized with anyone before, mm-hmm. or never had to, because I was in band in high school, and so the idea of trying to do that, trying to sing a different note from the other person, was so foreign to me, well, and, and I of could. Of course, you had the harmony. They gave Hetty the melody, so mm-hmm. so I kept only, trying to sing the melody. Not only is the music yep. teacher like not singing at any songs, but she gets the melody in the one song she has. Yeah, so I mean, thankfully, I our music director eventually was just like, just just go ahead and match her. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. 
Um, but then I had the fight song with, with Finch, and I had, a, I had something else, but it was, yeah, that was the most nervous I'd been. But I got over it just thinking, you know what, I, I know I can do this, and so if I'm going to screw it up, I'm going to screw it up big time and just, you know, make everything big. And so that was kind of my attitude about it, and it, it worked out in the end. But yeah, singing is not my forte, but I can do it. But. Yeah, and that's kind of how that leads into, I guess, into the next question was just like how you overcame that is just kind of being like, well, if I mess up, it's yeah, it's gonna be gonna be big. Yeah, I think uh, my forensic my forensics coach has really instilled in me, you know, if you're gonna make a mistake, make a big mistake. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, might as well. <laughs> um. How would you compare, like, live performing, like, theater or forensics, Mm -hmm. um, compared to, like, the anxiety you feel writing? Like, is it different? Is it about the Um, same? It is different. I don't really feel much anxiety when I'm writing, just because I know I can always go back. And actually, the editing process is one I'm not that good at, but if I find somebody to look it over, like, I want them to rip it apart. Like, please, tell me what's wrong with it. Um... As for, you know, comparing that to performing where, you know, it's really in the moment. And, you know, when when I'm performing, you know, I don't know if you two feel this way, but once you get the script down enough, your body kind of goes on autopilot and you can think about other stuff like yeah. what's coming up and, you know, thinking, oh, that person's doing very well tonight and yada, yada, yada. So um, it's definitely a different type of anxiety. Yes. Um but being a writer, I mean, there is a much different high you get from people reacting to a line you wrote versus a line you deliver. And so, you know, it's, it's very difficult to describe. But, yeah, that's... When, when we did uh, All My Tomorrows, um, you know, I'd be listening for my cue to come back in, but I found myself just listening for the audience reaction to everything that was being said when I wasn't on stage. And so that's that was different, and I was just hinging on every reaction that they were having, thinking, oh, they didn't like that, or oh, they really liked that, and I didn't expect that. But yes, it's, it's, it's a very different type of anxiety. Yeah. Does performing a piece that you've written feel different than any of the other things that you've performed? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, just because I am kind of hanging on every word as opposed to just the ones I'm saying. Um, you know, I remember when we were doing How to Succeed and JB was not near the stage or, or not near to coming onto the stage. I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I know Emily had come on and talked about her experience and I was not in that scene so I did not hear about that until well after the fact. Like, Oof. I had no idea what was going on. I was just kind of preparing myself off in the corner, getting ready for my scene. Whereas, yes, performing something I wrote, like, I, I want to be around every aspect of it. And I want to see how it's landing and how people are reacting to it. Do you feel it's harder to take creative direction in a show that you've written? Not so far, just because I'm in a nice position where I can pick who I approach to direct it. Um, And the two directors that I picked, you know, I felt very comfortable with, which is part of the reason that I that I took it to them. Um, 
if I wasn't in control of who was directing, I could definitely see it being a challenge. Um, just because if I didn't, like, there are people, you know, in our community that we know that I would not ask to direct anything that I've written. Not because they're bad directors, <laughs> but but just because, you know, I don't know that I would have that level of trust that I do with the two that I did end up picking, including uh, Susie, who is directing ours, who is doing a phenomenal job, and I cannot imagine anyone else having done a better job. So not at this point, although there have been a few times where, you know, we've been sitting around like just talking about our characters and Susie will ask one of the other cast, oh, tell me about your character. And they'll be, you know, describing it. And part of me is like, no, that's not what it is. That's not why they think that. But um, but I think that's part of the challenge as mm -hmm. actors is you know, filling in the gaps of your character. Right. And, they have to interpret the text and they don't right. have your insight yep. of what you thought. Yes. Yeah. And like I remember when we did Move, Moon Over Buffalo, Bob had us write like a little spiel about our characters. And mm -hmm. so all of the things I filled in, I'm sure that the playwright did not imagine that George Hay had done all those things, but that's just what I threw in there to affect my performance, so. Yeah, and that's something that can be kind of like, when you're just like, but I didn't attend it that way, but then mm -hmm. like sometimes if an actor's like, well, I'm thinking of it this way, but it was different, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of getting that different perspective, because it's kind of just like how, I don't know if anybody else remembers this, but in English class, and they'd be like, what was the writer feeling uh -huh. when they wrote well, it this? it reminded me of, like, there was care. an article about like, <laughs> when they have like poetry on standardized tests and they have all these questions about like, what does this symbolize? And this one author whose poetry was used is like, that wasn't at all what this is about. Like you are reaching people who write these tests. You're <laughs> reaching. You're reaching big time. So I guess now you have been in both of the shows that you have written. Yes. How would you compare that, the experience from All My Tomorrows with My Lady Tongue? Like how are they different? How are they kind of the same? Do you feel like like the process has, since this is your second show, has it kind of improved a little bit? I think so. Um, this one has a bigger cast and a bigger crew than the first one. Um, and so the, the, you know, All My Tomorrows was really more about, you know, just two characters and that was it. But this one... You know, we've got eight characters, and part of the fun part was writing the relationships between each of the eight. And so we do have a bigger cast. We do have a bigger crew. Um, and so it feels a bit more like a regular production mm -hmm. uh, than, than the first one. Um, but yeah, each time we, we kind of learn a little bit and, and, you know, take that going forward. And I'm sure this won't be the last one I write. Not spoiling anything for my lady tongue, but sort of just asking more about it now, since that's why we're doing this episode, because it's mm -hmm. a special one. And if you don't see the show, you're going to be so mad at yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I know I'll be mad at you for you. So. I'll, I'll throw hands. It's on site. Yeah. It's on site, mm -hmm. as the kids would say. Get him. So you have to portray, technically, two different characters in my lady tongue. Mm -hmm. So do you find a balance of using that skill of having to discern yourself from your on-stage persona versus your on-stage, on-stage persona. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in forensics, I was trained to pop back and forth between characters, like, as quickly as, like, one line per character. And so, you know, we start off the show, you know, or we start off the play filming the show, and so I'm, I'm the, the stage character, 
and then I'm not him again until just before the end of the first act. So that's that's a pretty easy transition. Um, but it also kind of harkens back a little bit to my days working in local television, where, like, after that red light goes off, you know, you're a completely different person. And, you know, it's I've, I've heard it called red light syndrome, where, you know, your on-air persona is very different, and you can switch back and forth very quickly, like, as, as soon as the broadcast starts. But... I mean, in that instance, you know when you're going to be starting, so. Yeah, and I guess, what do you, in that moment, like you say with red light syndrome, do you feel mm-hmm. any, like, different when you're trying to, because you got, like, it's basically like a three-layer cake, mm-hmm. where in that moment when you start, you are playing a character who is playing another character who you yourself are playing. Right. So how do you, like... It does help that the character I'm playing is really based on me (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) so it's very helpful that you know i just i don't have to imagine oh how would sam play this no no it's just how would reed play this character and then you know sam it just morphs into sam who is you know a version of me so that's very helpful you know but when you're writing it you can control it that way but i i am looking forward to writing more scripts that you know hopefully have characters that aren't me (laughs) so could we get a brief like and by brief i mean however long you want description of my lady tongue this upcoming production yes it's based on much ado about nothing which is my favorite shakespeare and but instead of a sicilian villa it takes place on an la soundstage where the two lead actors are f- their characters on the show are finally getting together. They, they're working on a, a 1940s film noir type show, detective show, and their characters are finally getting together after a whole season of, well, they are, won't they? But they cannot stop bickering with each other. When, <laughs> you know, that red light syndrome, as soon as, you know, the director yells cut, they just start going bickering and fighting. Um, but it's really because each of them is trying to push the other one away because they're secretly attracted to each other. And everyone, well, most people know it. At least two of the, two of the other characters can, can see it. Um, and so by the end, it's, you know, we see them slowly realize what's going on. And then, yes, getting, getting back together as well. So. Will they, won't they? Yes. Too layered. Yes. Mm-hmm. But I was writing, I was watching a lot of sitcoms while I was writing it. So it has DNA from quite a few different sitcoms that, that I was watching while, while writing it. You know, everything from Friends and 30 Rock and Community even. So it's, yeah, it, I hope it strikes that kind of tone with, uh, with the viewers. I think it will. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I read the script. We did a read-through, and... I saw part of the show when I came to take photos, um, but it just felt familiar mm-hmm. in a good way. Not like, yeah. a, oh, this is so played out kind of way, but mm-hmm. like a familiar, like, oh, this feels like I've just turned on a sitcom and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. And there's enough spice and flavor that it seems new, but it seems comfortable. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Yes, that was my goal. So... So I guess as a uh, last question before we get to the wrap-up question, so second to last question, what uh, do you have in the works, if you are willing to share, that you are working on next? Um, well, I am 
10 pages into a third play um, that I've kind of put on hold while we were working on this. Um, but once summer hits, it's my goal to, you know, try and crank out a first draft by the end of summer. And this one, I had never written a mystery before. And so I thought, oh, why don't I try one of those? And so I had come up with the setting. I had come up with all the characters, but I did not realize how difficult it is to come up with a mystery (laughs) and throw in red herrings. Like I'd, I'd watched so much, you know, like Psych and Castle and White Collar and all those type of procedural shows but coming up with, with who's dying and who's the one that's going to get accused and why did they die? And so, yes, once I figured that out, it was, it was oh, well, let's, let's go ahead and start this. But then we started production of, of My Lady Tongue. So I thought, you know what? I better focus on this for now. But it is going to take place, you know, entirely within the newsroom of a medium market television station. Ooh. Yes, so playing on past experiences for myself and being able to, uh, you know, kind of use that in, in my next one. So how many shoulder pads will be in this production? <laughs> I hope at least two. Several. <laughs> yes. <It's, laughs> although it is the first play I'm writing where the lead is not a handsome guy in his forties. <laughs> so Ooh, new experience. Exciting. Yes. Exciting. So yes. For everyone who wants to see My Lady Tongue so they don't face my wrath. And, <laughs> and so they, they can actually like enjoy themselves on mm-hmm. a weekend. Where can they see it? And when yes. can they see it? And how can they see it? It will be playing at the Grand Theater in downtown Eau Claire. It will be 7.30, June, Friday, June 3rd. 7.30, Saturday, June 4th. And 1.30 on Sunday, June 5th. 5th. Thank you. <laughs> I need to be looking at a calendar. We counted earlier for you, Fee. (laughs) Um, And so tickets are available at the door, but you can purchase them ahead of time. There is a Facebook event. Um, Just search up My Lady Tongue or go to Performance Anxiety's Facebook page and go ahead and like that. Um, But yeah, in, in the Facebook event for it, in the description, there's a link to the website we're using to sell tickets. So you can buy them ahead of time. Um, yes. But you can also purchase them at the door. They are fifteen dollars, and yeah, it's. I'm excited. I just hope you know we we keep the Rona at bay, and <laughs> we'll we'll see. Which has been a uh, a hurdle. It has been. Nice. There's also a lot of new faces in the show. Like yeah. you know, we've we've worked with a lot of people that we have never worked with before that have blown my mind at how great they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Anne-Marie, who plays the lead, the lead woman, Lizzie. Mm-hmm. Like, she is, oh my God. Like, not only an extremely talented, just actress out of nowhere, just like, bam, I'm amazing. I was like, oh my God. She's so beautiful. I know. She's so tall. <laughs> I've never say? once spoken to her, but all I want to do is walk up to her. <laughs> you are beautiful. <laughs> Well, I mean, part of it is, you know, the mission that we have for performance anxiety is finding opportunities for people who wouldn't normally get them. And we had a few people that, you know, maybe it would have been a little intimidating to go to a guild audition or go to a children's theater audition, you know, but ours was, you know, we're just really looking for anybody. And, you know, Anne-Marie was one of those who wanted to break out of her comfort zone and maybe doing it with us was a little easier. And actually... 
uh, her breaking out of her comfort zone was just going to the audition. Yeah. Yes. Which so she didn't really expect to get cast, and then she's, you know, the co-lead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which was like, hey, we're so glad you finally have uh, to audition. Um, You want to be a lead? Yeah. Well, and I can imagine, too, I mean, I feel like it would be a little bit less pressure to do a new show because no one's coming in with conceived ideas of what these characters should be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're getting direction and you're getting um, just clear kind of how the show should be, nobody's seen it before, so no one's going to walk in and be like, well, wasn't Bernadette Peters, so it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) But then, um, you know, we do have a few other first-time... Yeah. Well, first time Eau Claire theater performers and one other first time, you know, just theater performer. But then also in the cast or the crew, we have yes. a bunch of other people mm-hmm. who are part of the cast who don't have any lines, but they're there as part of the sh- crew that works on this television show. And so, you know, there were a few people that had some, you know, physical limitations. And so we worked around that to figure out a way to get them involved and they would not have had an opportunity to do this with, with, you know, other theater groups. And so that's kind of what I'm most proud of is giving all of these opportunities to people who wouldn't have had them before or wouldn't have tried to get them somewhere else. Um, you know, when I asked Susie to direct it, she'd only directed one other show and now she has, you know, this will be her third instead um, our set designer, it's the first time he's designed a set. Um, Which looks amazing, by the way. Yes. That looks great. Our costumers are doing a great job as well. Having... Damn right I am. <laughs> yeah, and best. So, so <laughs> that's, you know, looking back on this whole experience, I think that's what I'm going to be most proud of is is the opportunities that it's been giving people. And I hope, you know, the, the people who are involved, you know, continue to be involved with local theater. Um, I remember right after... Music Man, I kept thinking, oh, I got to do every show. And, and I, I did three shows in a year. And that was, oh, that was that was a little too much. But <laughs> I'm going to pull back a little bit, pick and choose my battles and places to take a stand. So, yeah. Love that. But I hope they continue to, to be involved with theater. I agree. And one of those, um, like you were saying with the crew, like we had a lot of people that were like, I have never, ever been on a stage before. Mm-hmm. And I really, really, really want to, but I'm very scared and I don't want a speaking part. And when we had approached you about that, about just like, hey, could we have crew members on stage that are actors on stage, but they necessarily don't have the lines or Mm -hmm. they can just have that presence without having, you know, adapting to that. You were really cool about that. And I, I really do appreciate that of being like, hey, do you mind if we write this part in for this crew member they don't have to say anything but could this be an interaction that they have with the cast yeah it really added to the scenes too i love that we've done that as a theater company because it just made sense when i came in and watched that chunk of it that i did seeing okay there would be other people in this conversation who are not necessarily like there to listen to this conversation right. but they're trying to get your makeup touched up and they're trying to make sure that the set is ready to ta- do another take like, it all made so much sense and made it really feel like, okay, now we've gone from this moment of acting to, okay, now they're the actors who are having this conversation. Yeah, and that was an idea that Susie and I came up with pretty early in the pre-production was, you know, just the idea that if this is a working set for a television show, there would be more people who are in the background that, you know, are dressing up the set or, you know, doing makeup and and things like that. And so we thought, oh, this will be a great opportunity for people who, 
you know, like, like you said, maybe wanted to be on stage, but didn't want the pressure of a speaking role, you know, just wanted to dip a toe in. And so, yeah, I'm really proud of how this is turning out. I'm, I'm legitimately really, really proud. And I think I'm with you on the same way. I don't mean to repeat what you said, but just kind of like reiterating because I have talked to that particular cast member. Um, her name is Peggy and you know, she is my future mother-in-law. So I kind of was like, Hey, you should do this. <laughs> um, but she is, uh, she has a mobile disability where she can't move as much because she got lupus back in like when they didn't even know what that was yet. <laughs> so it was bad. Um, but she always wanted to be in a theater show and it was always on her bucket list, but she felt like she never could because of her mobility issue. And when I was telling her about this show and about how you don't have to worry about it and she went out of her comfort zone and auditioned, you know, she was amazing. Mm -hmm. I was legitimately like, Peggy, this was so good. And she just goes, I'm really glad, but also I, I don't want a speaking role. And we were <laughs> like, are you sure? But then she's like, please. And we were like, okay, fine. I'll get you there one day. Mm -hmm. But now doesn't she, uh, if you want to look out when you're in this, she plays the craft services woman, yep. doesn't she? And she yep. basically is like the silent narrator throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Uh -huh. We gave her a few reactions to do. Um, and so it's been fun working with her just because like I'll throw out an idea just to not have her just sit there and, and look at what's going on. You know, there's times where my character will go over and, and he's not part of the scene, but he's there. And so, you know, we've talked about, oh, what are we going to be talking about? You know, so we're, we're like fake talking where the scene is going on, you know, and another part of the stage. Uh, but then it's fun to have her throw out ideas on what she could be doing. And so, yeah, that's that's been fun. I love that. Well, let's one more time. When is the show happening? It is happening June 3rd, 4th and 5th at the Grand Theater the 3rd and the 4th at 7.30, the 5th at 1.30, which is the Sunday. Um, and tickets are available at the door for $15. Perfect. Well, Reed, we really appreciate you being here. Well, thanks. So it was much. it was a long journey to get here. Yeah, thanks for so. walking the two blocks. Yep. <laughs> Again, two-for-one special. Um, <laughs> kidding. Come and find me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> she will, she will, you will not be in here with her. You will be, <laughs> you will not be stuck in here with her. No. She, you will be stuck in... I, I'm going to shut up. I've been dead with this. Yes. <laughs> it's been long You're gonna enough. You're going to start the episode with this, aren't you? I uh, Probably. I hate you. <laughs> it's okay. Come to my house. I have toast. Reed lives close God by. Damn. <laughs> That's another slight at me. Uh, my name's Tyler Tatro. And I'm Lauren Learman. And I've been attacked on my own podcast. <laughs> the Performance Anxiety Podcast is brought to you by Performance Anxiety, Inc., for more information about our mission, upcoming projects, and how to get involved, visit us at the link in the episode note.